Hello, Internet! This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to a special edition of the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I understand that we're getting a lot of newer viewers now that we're kind of shifting our mindset as to what it is that we cover on this pod. And I guess I should start by saying that when I say we, I am referring to my good friend and co-host, Walter C. Eddie Svedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? See, I know you're going to have some like witty quip about this, about how every episode is special, but maybe, maybe it's time to, to drop the special edition. So we need to start the special edition. Aw, but I don't know. I think it's just the Rough Drafts podcast now. I think we've been doing this for three years. We've had it this name for what, almost two? Like, But you know what's special about it, Walter? It's a special episode because we've never talked about Overwatch on an episode of Rough Drafts. So there you go. So that is that is special, and I and I do want to just talk just really quick at the top of the show because we got a lot of questions after we did our Hearthstone podcast. (laughs) Mostly, who are you? you? Yeah, that was the main one we got. Oh man! Uh, And are you going to continue doing stuff in other games? And the second question is easier to answer. Uh, Yes, we are going to be covering uh, more games than we have in the past. We've been basically a league exclusive podcast with a couple notable exceptions over the last year. Uh, this time around, we're going to try to do it more 50-50 style. One league podcast, one everything else podcast. So now there are whole new opportunities for entirely new fan bases to hate us because and, we secretly and, have a grudge against their team for whatever and, reason. And maybe these other sports will maybe possibly branch out into offshoot podcasts based yeah. on maybe how something that's we're currently working on, planning... Yeah, might turn out. We've got hint, plans, hint. guys. There might, yeah, we, we, yeah. There's some plans going on. That, Pla- uh, plans for days behind the behind the uh, behind the curtain here. Oh, God. There's some plans, folks, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, we get to unveil those plans in the not so distant future, as as Riot Games likes to say, soon. See, the best soon. part about that is. I couldn't actually see Walter's screen because of the way our setup is. But I heard the rolling of his chair, and I know he just did something to make me shake my head. I was just, I was prepared. I moved There's my, no way. I moved my sheet behind me. I just yeah. like, touched it. That's I, all I did. <laughs> this is a sheet. This isn't a wall, folks. I, yeah, but get a, we're letting you behind the curtain. He is, that is fair. We, one day, we'll, we'll explain our plans in full. But for now, no, we are covering other esports. Uh, as to who we are... Uh, I have been a writer with an esports uh, for about five years now. I've been a freelance writer for longer than that. Uh, I've been doing this podcast for about what we've been doing this now for two and a half years together, Walter. Three. Essentially, in this form, three. three years. Yeah, three three full years yeah, now. Guess the line started in season four worlds. Yeah. So. So yeah, two and a half, three years podcasting together. There are going to be some in-jokes, but the thing is, you'll catch them over time. The more important thing is that uh, we want you guys to feel like you're part of a conversation that you'd be having with your friends in real life about these kind of events. That's the vibe that we go for. So when you guys say it feels very familiar, we're like, awesome. We want you to feel at home. We want you to feel like you've been... You're being brought into our metaphorical house. We have invited you to a metaphorical dinner, and we are providing a metaphorical meal of delicious analysis and commentary. Is that fair? 
It's not vegan food. Don't worry about that. I would never let vegan food grace these lips. Yeah, no, no. God, we've got some. We got some good old fashioned steak and potatoes here for you, folks. And, and you know what I think oh, is going to become a steak and potatoes style staple for the esports scene moving forward, Walter. This magical thing called Overwatch. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's kind of become the new biggest thing ever. And we've been waiting. I, I think there are a lot of people in esports who've been looking at it. They've been waiting for that tournament that's going to bring people in 100% of the way. Because it's obviously a very popular game. The PC bang numbers in Korea are through the charts. The sales number in the US are absolutely insane. Europe, same thing. We knew Overwatch was going to be relevant. If only because it had literally Blizzard money and <laughs> the thing sold like hotcakes right out yeah. the gate. But there were questions about its viability as an eSport. Walter, now seeing what OGN production can do for this game, oh, man. do you have concerns about Overwatch <laughs> as an eSport anymore? So I know, man, I'm trying to think if we've ever had this conversation on actually recorded podcasts. Because I know you and I have had this. Yes. And when it was first coming out, everyone was going, oh, it's going to be big. It's going to be huge. And I tried watching some of the earlier tournaments, and I just I couldn't follow it. Yeah, it just was hard spectator wise for me to follow. Um, I'm terrible at shooters in general, so at first I wasn't even going to buy it. Then everyone in a Discord that I'm in was playing it, so I bought it. I caved. I played it. I was like, okay, whatever. It's not going to really take my attention away from League. Uh, it didn't for a while. Then Sombra came out. And just I, it was like late one night. I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna play some some Overwatch. Like, screw it. So I was playing like their version of random, like random heroes, like random. Mm -hmm. And I played. I got Sombra as like my after my third death, and I had like 20 kills on her and didn't die in the rest of that game. I'm like, I like this character. Uh, so I like that character. And then we discussed. All right, well, let, you know, we want to branch out to other esports. All right, let's let's watch Apex because this is OGN. We know OGN is really good production from how they run League of Legends. Mm -hmm. And man, oh man, I don't know who is spectating it. I don't know how much they practice. I don't know how they do it, whether they use a mouse and keyboard, whether they use a controller, whether it's two monkeys, whether it's, you know, 30 rocket scientists. Like, I don't know how they did it, but I could actually watch it. I could understand what was going on. Monty and Doa are brilliant storytellers in and out of the game in terms mm -hmm. of communicating how teams interwork with each other, how they, you know, how one team and a second team match up against each other inside the game, all the subtle little nuances of what players are doing, why they're doing that. You get all the great little jokes, like whoever is spectating the spectator system that Apex used adding in Monty and Doa made it so watchable that it, during DreamHack, I was watching Overwatch over anything else. Like, there was a CSGO tournament that was muted, and on my main monitor was was the Overwatch tournament there. Yeah. So, I'm... Any of my questions have been answered as long as Western organizations, that Western broadcasters, as long as Blizzard themselves uh, with their, their Overwatch League, as long as they can learn from the spectator... Mm -hmm. uh, if, that OGN had, I think they're they're gonna knock it out of the park because even even like the World Cup that they had still had some spectating issues for me personally, but that was also because I hadn't put as much time into the game as I had before I was watching the Apex playoffs. So I thought they knocked it out of the park. And, and welcome to the the world of esports in general, right? The more you play a game, it's gonna be easier to follow. But the key is getting people to follow it when they don't know the game. 
You know, they're never going to know all the ins and outs. There's too much to games like that. There are too many variables. They're not going to know everything off the top. But if I can show it to a friend and then say, oh, I can see that this team is winning, then you're doing your job right. You're allowing people who understand the basics of video gaming in general to come in, and then they're more willing to learn about the game or more willing to buy the game or whatever it is, right? I mean, we will always remember that esports are a marketing tool first and a an abil- you know a league for us to analyze and dissect second. Uh, but... If you're going to do it, this this was the best I've ever seen it. And I'm not going to be surprised, you know, by that. Obviously, OGN knows how to do things. I think Faceit has done a very good job with recent Overwatch stuff. You know, obviously, they're very good when it comes to production at Counter-Strike. So yeah. when E-League took a swing at it, I thought they did a very good job. Um, so so certainly, I think it's going to get better and better. And honestly, people, I, th- I think people just forget that there's a curve to these kinds of things right you know it doesn't you don't immediately start as these master presenters with an amazing camera and the perfect view right away it takes time and experimentation and and people actually learning how to spectate properly every game has gone through this the difference is i think overwatch as a game was put on the big stage right away it's yeah. like you, you are this high profile everyone is talking about you you're winning game of the year awards at the end of the year no questions asked. You are the talk of the town. Now go out and be immediately successful and do everything perfect on day one. And no game is going to do that. But if this is where we can be within a year of the game being released, imagine two or three years down the line, if infrastructure is properly placed into it the way I believe yeah. it will, this is going to be huge. And so if you're not in on Overwatch yet, you might want to reconsider and start watching. And this is a great tournament to start. I mean, I I think, you know, what do you want from every tournament, right? You want at least two good opening rounds uh, in the playoffs. Reunited versus Africa and Rogue versus Envious were two great best of fives. Absolutely. In the opening round. Absolutely. You need, you know, the great underdog story, Envious having to replace a player after the group stage because Tailspin leaves and they have to find a last second replacement and Mickey who ends up having to play one of the most pivotal positions in the meta and they still pull it off. That's insane. You get all of the regional elements, Europe versus North America versus Korea. That's insane. I mean, this, this was the perfect tournament to get people invited into. And Walter, with all of those moments I just threw out there, what was the part that grabbed you in? Now, now see, it, it's a negative that grabbed me. Interesting. It was that there was a meta shift that happened so drastically before the playoffs. Hmm. And I know that some teams use it as a faux excuse. The prevalence and rise of D.Va as a tank, um, being that primary tank, um, really harmed a team like Rogue, which was unfortunate and really helped elevate a team like envious and helped elevate africa because the players that they had playing that champion that character mm-hmm. were very good at it mickey was a phenomenal diva player and i learned a lot just you know just watching these and not even like not even staring at a stream of just mickey just watching in general and some of the angles that he was coming at with diva ultimates and some of the you know ways they're bouncing it off of walls to go over like off of higher walls to go over low walls and just like a lot of really nuanced, interesting things. Uh, that being said, I never like seeing 
something like a patch in the middle of a tournament yeah. really swing the way a tournament went. And I, I can't say if D, if the if that patch never happened and Diva doesn't become so prevalent, we cannot say with any certainty that oh yeah, definitely Rogue would have won the tournament or Envious wouldn't have gotten to the finals or any of a number of things. Uh, but it is kind of disappointing. Disappointing, and I know it's not OGN or Overwatch or you know Apex's fault. Like I get that. That that to me though just kind of turned down some of my um, excitement for it. Um, but but the one good thing I do have to say is that it they couldn't have written this storyline any better. No, I don't think they could have written the playoffs any better. Like, granted, like Rogue versus Envious was probably the best series of the playoffs. Yes, in in my personal opinion, it was probably the best series of the playoffs. And it's unfortunate that it was in round one and it was on day one, mm-hmm. as opposed to being in the finals or even being in the semifinals. Um, but they worked hard to try and make a story around it going all the way through. Even, you know, Africa against Envious at the end, they tried to make it a really well, you know, thought out story of what this is about. And they really tried to hit the, you know, you Western teams and players aren't successful coming to Korea, coming to these tournaments. I think before this, this envious spoiler alert, this envious sweep, the most (laughs) successful Western team slash player was when you look back at, um, back in season two when CLG EU went and were in the finals of, of one of the OGN championships. I think it was winter. Um, and that's like back in like 2012. So that was really something they were hammering home. Even after like Envious was up 3-0, that was something Monty kept bringing up. Like this is astounding in terms of historical precedent of esports. Not in Overwatch because it's not a very large sample size, but just in general that a Western organization would go into Korea, would do so well in one of their local leagues, and not only that, would envelop themselves in Korea. They were talking about um, one of the players was like would stream and like was learning how to speak Korean just to interact with his the fans that were streaming and they loved this one player on Envious cuz he was trying to interact and even though there was this language barrier he didn't care so he had Google Translate open and would like you know be like okay uh, what do I want to say okay you asked a question what does that mean okay i'm going to try and answer it in Korean i'm going to so i thought that was really really neat i thought that storyline was was very well done uh, and in the do, end of the day, do you remember who that was? Because I forget. I'm. I, th- I think it was Taimu, but I'm not. I wrong. think it was Taimu. Yeah, I. I think that's who it was. I didn't want to get the name wrong. Th- that sounds I'm right. Positive it was Taimu. But I please like, comment, subscribe, correct us if we're wrong. <laughs> uh, I. I only ever tell you guys to do that when we're doing ter- you know bad things or pro- possibly fucking up. So you know, at least we're consistent. I honestly, I, I agree with everything you said. I. I love that just element of envious coming in and and you know you, you you talk about how yes the the diva change negatively affected certain teams but the fact that it positively affected envious when envious had to get in mickey basically i mean when was the last time he was on a team the only team listed on his liquipedia before he participated at this tournament was on something called team weed time that is that is the hey, actual, which I'm not saying that's what I'm just saying that's what Liqu- Liquipedia says. So if that's not true, blame that. But that's the only previous professional history I could have. So imagine being a rookie, having to play the most important position on the team in this meta, and being as good at it as he was in Korea mid tournament. 
swapping yeah. through. That is bonkers. That is yeah. batshit. And I just, I loved it. I loved every second of it. I, I loved that Envious really did, like you said, try to get involved with the Korean fans. You saw a lot more interaction than we normally see. And it brings up this very interesting point that I really love about this tournament. I think it's something that, you know, you lose in a system like the one that Riot has set up, but it's this idea of countries hosting events, right? You know, this was Korea saying, hey, you know, foreign teams come here, play against us. We're going to send our best and we'll take two from North America and two from Europe and let's see who wins. Let's see if your best can beat our field. And we don't get a lot of that in a lot of different esports. That kind of slightly nope. nationalist, but also, nope. you know, giving foreigners a chance to really come in and compete like they were a full-time, you know, team from that region. Walter, is that something you want to see more of across the I'd, board? I'd or? love to see more of it. I'd absolutely love to see more of it. Um, I, I'm still very much a fan of Season 2 League of Legends, where it was a lot of invitational slash qualification tournaments that was global. It wasn't just like, oh, let's just get all the European teams together. Oh, let's just get all the North American teams together. I'm sure it would be that way in Counter-Strike. It's just that the East doesn't really have a strong Counter-Strike scene outside of a couple of teams that have popped up here, Tylo being um, the most prevalent to come out of you know China, Southeast Asia, etc. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually just a bunch of European teams, a bunch of North American teams, and maybe Renegades from Australia. <laughs> so there isn't a whole lot of precedent for it. Um, I guess the closest would actually be Dota, where they yeah. do have multiple large large tournaments, not just majors, but just large tournaments in general, where they pick teams from China, where they pick teams from North America, where they pick teams from Europe, from Southeast Asia, um, just because there there is sort of that strength in all those different regions. Mm -hmm. um, but this tournament was extremely well done, I think, for the modern age. Yeah. Um, one, because it was over a season. It wasn't just it wasn't the the E League kind of way where they're like, all right, well we're gonna have European teams compete in our tournament, but we're just gonna bring them in for the week and then send them back. Like it truly was. They were here for like two months in yeah. Korea, in houses, training, practicing, interacting with the Korean fans, streaming from there. You know, day to day, having to deal with that, embrace them, embrace this culture, show up, play their games, do all this fan meeting stuff instead of it being like a quick like. All right, we were there for a week, then we're done, then we're moving on, then we're going back to our house in Charlotte. Like it's the exact point that Monty made back in the day before Riot made this illegal about, you know, oh TSM, you want to win a championship? Go to Korea. And most teams will never do that. You know, even in games where there is a little bit more fluidity, most teams aren't willing to take that risk because look at the potential cost, right? You know, for Envious Rogue, Reunited uh, NRG, uh, you know, luckily, I you know, I guess you know, either you could get eliminated early like NRG did. I, I don't think luckily is the right word there. But, you <laughs> know, not, you can have one of those kind of situations where I, you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get some practice time, but you still go home. But for the rest of these guys, like if you're envious, you've been in Korea for two months. That's two months of advertising you could have been doing in North America, which is technically where you're based out of, even though all of your players are European. Uh, you know, that's all this time you could have been spending building a European audience, this Western audience that craves more shooters all of the time and instead they dedicated all that time and said no we want to be the best and if you're going to be the prestige. best we have to beat korea and that's one of those things that when you understand that you respect that and you go out and you accomplish that 
that's I mean major props to you. And that's that's having guts as as an organization. That's having you know guts as a you know as players to put yourself out there, you know. And it's it's unfortunate you know reunited obviously very close series in the first round. They I think they really got hit hard by the uh, by the meta change. Yeah, Rogue. I feel like Rogue beat themselves more than anything else towards the end of that. I still think that, that was that's, that was that's Rogue series saying. to lose. That's where I'm coming from with the faux excuse because I know that they said in interviews that they really didn't feel well prepared on Diva, that they had played against it in scrims, but they just didn't have someone they felt comfortable enough on it and that changed their play style too much. I I don't know. Again, like if that change doesn't happen, do they make it to the finals? Do they win it instead of Envious? We'll never know. Um, it also sort of sucks a little that you know you have two Western teams playing against each other in the very first round. Um, the, I know when it happened, it was like, oh, a little, little hanky-panky going on here? Is this, uh, is this what's going to happen? The two two really strong Western teams got to face each other in the first round, huh? That seems a little hanky. Seems a little weird. Hmm, wonder why that happened. Um, but again, I, like... I love conspiracy, Walter. Can I just say, like, I... It, we'll never get enough conspiracy Walter on this podcast. Hey, what? listen, I don't, I don't think Korea, that was the case Korea at all. divided it by groups in such a way that there could have been no overlap until the group stage. If they really wanted to do it, they'd be like foreigners in group A, everyone else B, C, D. Yeah. 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 Battle your way for the right to play yeah. us, which they I totally mean, could have done, and people probably would have still gone and participated in that tournament. I, uh, I, I mean... It, it's it's interesting to say, I, I I'm looking at it right now. I'm on Winston'sLab.com, which I'm giving them a shout out. I told them I would on Twitter. Walter, do you know Winston'sLab.com? It's yeah, it's the stat site for for uh, for professional Overwatch. We have stats for Overwatch. Stats. I saw Monty tweeted them out a couple days ago, and I just I haven't had time to click on I'm, the page yet. I'm so happy. I'm so happy because a I've been looking at it throughout this entire thing. So I remember who plays D.Va and when. Yeah. Um, and B, I just, it's so nice. I, I'm always, I mean, we, you and I, this show has a history of pushing advanced metrics, really understanding the yeah. ins and outs and taking advantage of every piece of information available to you. And it's so nice to have that. It's so nice to have, you know, KD buy heroes and to have the VODs immediately, you know, on a page, to have it, you know, stats by map. This is everything I've wanted from a stat site, and it's about time we have one for Overwatch. So shout out to those guys. I just wanted to say that on the pod because some people might not follow Monte Cristo on Twitter. They might not have seen it, and you definitely need to. So nice. I guess safe to say, Walter, we highly recommend people check out the uh, Apex, uh, the Apex Season One Overwatch Open Tournament. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'd I'd say definitely, yeah. definitely. If you don't want to go back and watch like the group stage, I'd say that's fine. Yeah. Definitely watch the playoff series. I'd yeah. say they're all pretty much worth it. The, um, uh, other than BK Stars versus LW Blue, you could probably skip that one. Yeah. You won't lose much. Kongdu Uncia versus Lunatic High is my contender for best three O of the year. Because <laughs> it was is a three O. It was yeah, in any esport. Because look, three O's are usually boring as hell. It's one team just stomping on the other. Every single one of those maps came down to an overtime or some like miracle play by one player. Like those were two incredibly evenly matched teams, and it just always went just a little bit Kongdu's way at the very end. 
and I loved everything about it. I almost never recommend three O's. I I almost can barely recommend the four O that was the finals, but I mean it's the finals, so you might as well finish it. But everything before yeah. that, so many great series. I mean, if you if you want to watch a team like execute a strategy that they like about as well prepared like Envious was extremely well prepared. They knew exactly what they wanted to do on all four maps. Yeah. That was a clinic in this is how you play Envious's style of Overwatch on these four maps. That that's just straight up what it was. And while competitively, I mean, Africa a couple of the maps they just did not look good at all. Mm-hmm. Um I do remember the very first map Africa looked pretty good on and then it was just like a Herculean hold. Uh, by by envious and maps two and three went to overtime if I remember correctly. Uh, map at least two did. Yeah, I at I, least I, game two do. I don't remember. Game three two went into overtime. Game yeah. three, I believe, was a was a stomp. There okay. was one where they just absolutely yeah. Destroyed ga- some game stores. two went to overtime, which I love their overtime rule actually. I like the yeah. overtime rule of okay, well you just go to Ilkios and you do one random. Yeah, you do Caps, whatever. Like one the, point app. Yeah. Yeah. Best of one. Go. You, you know, that's I like that. that's the only that's way cool. you can do it. That's it was cool. uh yeah, both of those went into overtime, but okay. uh on on the uh on the push, uh Africa didn't really yeah, follow up just, on, on Volsky. Yeah, that's right. And then watch point Gibraltar, I mean they just that for they gave up. That yeah. they just did. And that, that was that was envious like being like no because that that was just the epic that was just the great hold where they're like you're not even gonna touch the first point. Well, and that's the thing, right? It was almost the tale of two uh, of two brackets, where in the the top half, Africa made it through, barely playing Diva for most of it. Yeah. And then they just throw Jin in at the very end. It's like, oh right, I guess this is important. Yeah. Oh well, um, I, that's gonna be it for Overwatch for now. I, I I mean, I know we're still waiting to hear exactly what the league is gonna look like for next year. Monte Cristo did a lot of speculation in a recent YouTube video that I highly recommend. That we'll probably put in the show notes I as well like as Winston's it. Lab. I don't like it. I I mean, we don't actually know a lot of the details. And I, I say it's the same thing I say about Heroes of the Storm, which is the next game we're going to talk about, albeit very briefly, because only very one big. of us on this show wants to talk about it. But, I mean, these are two leagues now that we're seeing. Blizzard has made the decision. Both of these games are worth it for them financially. Both of these games are doing well overseas. Um, Overwatch obviously is is making more money than God right now, and Heroes of the Storm is increasing in player base, but at a you know slowing down a little bit. It's still still you know still growing, still substantially growing, which you would expect from a MOBA at this age. Man, I really want to see those numbers because it just doesn't. That just when when a company says here go play this game so you can get content in another game. That just gives me pause of like. I mean, but they did the same thing in Hearthstone, and Hearthstone's making so much I money. Yes, like that, they always do cross promotions because as a business, why shouldn't you? You'll you double your money. That's fair. I mean, that's they're always going to do those kind of things, and and I think the one they did for Heroes of the Storm was a, a very nice one. I wish my computer was good enough to play it right now so I could take advantage of it, but yeah. um, but I mean, we we live with the hand we're dealt. But there's there's a bigger problem in in Heroes of the Storm than there is with Overwatch. Overwatch, we're, we're conf- you know, we know people are into this. It, it is a shooter that fills a very specific MOBA-ish niche, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, hero, the hero shooter, the class-based hero shooter. But on the other end, we have Heroes of the Storm, which is a MOBA. 
And there are quite a few MOBAs now. You look at League of Legends, Dota 2, uh, Heroes of the Storm, Smite, and Vainglory, all of which have their own competitive Par- uh, Paragon, Paragon, potentially that still exists. Paladins is still around. Potentially, pa- Paladin, Paladins is Overwatch. That's different. I mean, what, but moral of the story is, there's just it's it, there are a lot of games right now fighting for Heroes of the Storm spot. And Walter, just just so fans at home know what to expect if we ever do see any more Heroes of the Storm coverage on here. Where do you put Heroes of the Storm of, on your uh, on your value equation, on what you want to prioritize uh, uh, in your day-to-day life? Somewhere between mini-golf on candystand.com oh. and virtual Chinese wow. checkers. That's... I just... Here's the thing. It was... It's very cool to see the maps. Mm-hmm. After you see them played like two or three times, the novelty of it's gone, and it's just a very, very simplistic MOBA. At the end of the day, I like the nuance that is in Dota. I like the nuance that is in League of Legends. I like the nuance that is in Smite. Heroes of the Storm, you play it 30 times, you watch it 30 times, you watch 30 different games, kind of understand how everything works. And outside of that, there's very, very little nuance. It really comes down to manipulating team fights, manipulating your experience, share. Sure, you get some funky things where guys pull out some interesting team compositions, and you're like, yeah. oh, why would they do that? I was watching the North American uh, Hero League qualifiers, and one team ran Illidan, Abathur, Falstad, and Brightwing. So they went like... Full global pressure with an Abathur Illidan comp, and the other team was running Solo Warrior Dahaka. And the Solo Warrior Dahaka team won because the team with Falstead, Brightwing, Illidan, and Abathur kept spreading themselves out too thin, and their opponent was just like, Well, even though you have three globals, it takes three seconds for each one of those characters to get here, so we're just gonna take this. And they would just, they just in and out, in and out, dart in and out, they, you know get six or seven auto attacks on something, and boom, they'd be out. And all those globals would have been wasted. So then they reset everything. They stretch everyone back out, and then boom, go and hit him with another quick, you know, right. So the game just, it's only nuanced when teams try something very off the wall, and very few teams are willing to risk games and tournaments with off-the-wall strategies. So it gets very boring to me. I see... Here's where I, I have a problem with that, and and the biggest problem I have is this idea of, oh, but it's it's, it's you know once you've seen a game you've seen them like any game you could say that about theoretically Overwatch you know there are the same points on the map that are going to be attacked it's the same payload has to get to the same spot they're the same choke points it doesn't that's mean that fair. it doesn't mean fair. that the game doesn't have nuance to it and especially a game that's as young as Heroes of the Storm is. Remember, this was only their second world championship, real world championship this past year. It's been out for three years, yeah. Yeah, but the first one was a show match. It's like, we're we're thinking League of Legends Season 2 is a comparison for where we should expect production quality, for where we should expect quality of play, and I think we have better than that right now, but mostly because we're in a... You know, more modern age, a lot of the guys who are pros in this were pros in some of those other games. And and the problem, 
the problem when I try to convince people that because I like Heroes of the Storm, I get to be the guy. Too, if, if it's you're a good game, yeah. But let's face it, we're you, the two of us are never talking about Heroes of the Storm on a podcast together. It's not gonna happen because I'm not. I'm not gonna convince you to watch anything other than maybe the World Championship. I mean, because you're gonna you're, you'd rather watch any of the other leagues that we're yeah, gonna have every see, week. That's instead. the thing. You you ask me about priority, and I do like the game. It's fun. Like I still play it on occasion because it's a fun game. And when I know a you know, friends of mine, which Josh Burry from the Score Esports wrote a phenomenal article about one of the former players I used to deal with, uh, Austin Schott-Lonzert. Nice. And he played with, when I was with Cognitive, had some bumpy roads with it, uh, ended up going and playing on the Heroes of the Dorm team at Arizona State that just won Heroes of the Dorm last April. Um, phenomenal article. I tweeted it out. Definitely go check it out. Yeah. It was. We'll add to the show notes. If if you want if you want to see an article that's written about a story, if you want to find a, okay, I'll rephrase that. If you want to find a story and want proof that you can find a story anywhere and have a good story and a good article and a good piece and learn a lot about an individual, this was a phenomenal piece because as much as I I love shot to death. Um, I never would have thought someone would write an article about his story. And it, it, it brought tears in my eyes to see this really, really well-written piece written about him. So definitely, definitely go check that out. Yeah. Um, he does but yeah, like, but, you know, this... he's playing, like, it's not, it's not high up my priorities. And with the fact that Overwatch is now, I, I can watch it, like, that's another game that pushes it down. And, so... and, and here's the other problem you have. And it's, it's something that you've brought up on the pod before. If the West isn't good at it, you don't care. Yeah. That that kills it for you. And I think the moment that Heroes of the Storm lost you was when the World Championship, basically, you know, the three championships we had this year were Korean team in the finals wins it, uh, two Korean teams in the finals, one wins it, Korean team in the finals wins it. And it's just like, well, okay, well, now I'm just watching the same thing happen over and over and over again. And the definition of insanity is expecting the West to somehow be good at an eSport. And honestly, I... Overwatch! Like, Overwatch, when, baby! And there you go. And that's the why Overwatch is fun for now. And then we'll wait and the Korean pros will take it over and then we'll start shifting away again. Thus is the nature of eSports as a cycle. We'll see. Maybe we'll all get proven wrong. But it's... Uh, God damn it. it. It is really one of those things where, like, I have a hard time. If you're someone, if you care about the West, you're probably not going to listen to some of my Heroes of the Storm stuff because the West is not doing very well right now. We just wrapped up the Gold Club World Championship, which I watched a bit of. Uh, I watched a lot of highlights more than anything else. And Ballistics is still the best team in the world. Uh, MVP Black and MVP Miracle are still fighting for numbers two and three. And China can take a four seed if they won and the rest of the West and... Basically, everyone else is looking up at them, wondering. So, Dick, when do we Dick get to do that? Is still like the king of the West, right? They're the king of the West, and then they got two owed by Zero Panda, which is the Chinese champion. Which name you probably didn't even know before I just said it. I thought that was going to be some Chinese food place, like on Forty Third Street in New York City. It could be. I'm not positive it's not. I can't Can prove. Sidebar: The Chinese champion in Smite for the World Championships is named after a brewery. I just have to, I just have to, there we go. There's a game that I care about more than Heroes of the Storm that nobody else cares about. Yep, the Chinese champion, they are literally sponsored by a brewery and they're named after a brewery. It's awesome. 
Do I want to give you your uh, your sixty second pitch on why people should care about Smite? Oh, I don't care if you guys care about Smite. That's my pitch. <laughs> That's literally Smite. Is we don't care if you care about us. We're gonna keep doing us. We're gonna keep doing Smite things. So I mean, they do keep making money somehow. We so don't care what you think. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Give me give me sixty seconds. Yeah, sixty seconds. Here. Go. Has so many problems, like wanting to deal with sponsors, and Smite's like, "You're willing to give us a hundred bucks? Sure, we'll put your name up there." Their their sponsor for High Res Expo is Twitch Prime. They gave away on the very first month of Twitch Prime, they gave away Paladins and Smite stuff icons. Mm -hmm. They were included if you had Twitch Prime in, in month one. Yeah, and they got freaking Coca Cola to do worlds in movie theaters like they've done for League of Legends the past two years. That is true. So. The dudes at high res they know how to accept checks from other people and play the advertiser game. Riot, y'all need to go learn from freaking high res in Atlanta, Georgia, about how to deal with sponsors and about how to get other people to pay for your world championships because they are masterful at it. Man, that is They're a sentence. Only I, Dota. I just never expected to hear the phrase, you guys need to go learn a lesson from high res That's just not <laughs> something... I ever expected to hear said or have to say, and yet here we are. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, look, Smite, Smite knows how to advertise. I will absolutely give them that. Uh, I will not give them basically anything else, but that's why if we ever do that's Smite fine. content on here, Walter's got that. And you know what Walter. else Walter has? You're, you're going to be our, our theoretical uh, Counter-Strike no, Global Offensive don't, guy. Don't say those words. Do not say those words. No, why not? not say, do not say you, I'm a counter You were no. the one who was no. who was assigned. We we sent you to go watch some E-League things. I sent you. As in, I, 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 I had you. Yeah, you have three monitors set up in your in your nice little oh, so nice. house there. The, and the uh, first world problems thing about it is I want two more. Walter, oh. <laughs> how in the world can you pay? I don't know how you pay attention to three monitors at once. I right now, fans can tell you if you've been watching the YouTube video, I'm struggling to pay attention to two. Like I've been over here typing <laughs> away at things like making sure like, oh, I got to conclude this in the show notes. And then suddenly I'm like, I've been looking over to this direction for 45 seconds. So how are you doing five screens? Uh, I have I don't get three it. different webcams that I just toggle between. Depending on the screen I'm going towards, it's just seamless. it's like a full full news program here, guys. Yeah. Like I've got I've got a Chiron, I've got a soundboard. I don't have any. Yeah, I no. wish. If you would but... like to uh, donate, <laughs> no, no, no. Anyways, I thought you were I thought you were gonna call me a uh, I thought you were gonna call me a, a Counter Strike expert. Which please, I am nowhere ever a I expert to be. I'm not even a novice at this point. I'm just like I'm a dude who kind of enjoys watching Counter Strike. Like that's my sec. That's literally Counter Strike is my second esport right now. Okay. After League of Legends, like if a League of Legends tournament's on and it's not like the IW All-Star event, which I stopped paying attention to on day two because they stopped. Yeah, anyways, we'll talk about that on the League podcast. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like Counter-Strike is starting to take some of my attention away from League just because it's massive. Mm -hmm. And it's fun. It's fun. Like the personalities that are involved, like say every, anything that you want about Richard Lewis and Thorin's political back, like beliefs and some of like the ESL kind of like grossness about esl yeah. but like the hosts and the talent are fun the players are entertaining 
there's a lot of depth to like the storylines. You do get a lot of interaction between North American and European teams. And there's like, there's rivalries between Cloud9 and SK. And there's rivalries between SK and Fnatic and SK and VP Inverse Pro yeah. and SK and Navi. And then you get like Optic, which <laughs> I watched, I watched their group stage. And I was slightly impressed. Like, I thought they were playing pretty well. Mixwell's a pretty good player. Um, like, they're a pretty good team. Yeah. They're the second best. Can argue maybe they're as good as Cloud9 um, on any given day. And I went into this. And if you guys have never listened to our podcast before, Chase and I are what you call serial esports gamblers. And we're experts at it. Yes. Don't it's ask us. Yeah, it says so on our Twitter profile. Don't yes. don't ask us what our like our win winnings are. Like we'll never tell you those numbers. That's proprietary knowledge. Um, oh, never gonna talk? tell you. We post we included those numbers at the end of every single one of our podcasts. We did. Shh. No, anyways. So so like this weekend, I was like looking at them. I'm like, you know what? I'm like I'm gonna gamble on a couple of these games. So I I bet on Optic to beat Mouse because I thought that was like Mouse was favorites, but I was like mm, Mouse hasn't been playing very well. Um, and then I bet on Astralis to beat SK in the upper half of the bracket. Lower half of the bracket I didn't touch, because I'm like, ah, oh, it's VP. I don't, wanna, I don't like betting on VP just because I like VP. Right. And uh, I forgot what the other series was. Uh, Ninjas in Pajamas against somebody, and I didn't want to bet on that because Ninjas in Pajamas had really good odds, and I knew they were going to win that. So, like, hey, okay, whatever. So then Optic and SK are playing. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, uh, man, I don't... Optic and SK did not play. Astralis played Astralis. SK. Sorry, Optic and Astralis. Yeah, because I got Astralis. Uh, yeah, and Optic it's in the finals. Table. Yeah. So, so Optic and Astralis are playing, and I'm like, man, they're both playing really well right now. Mm-hmm. But Optic has some pretty good odds, and maybe, just maybe, North America gets to the finals here. Because this is E League has been screwy this time around. Mm-hmm. Optic probably shouldn't have been there, but they got through. Mouse probably shouldn't have been there, but they got through. So I'm like, okay, like, all right, whatever. So I bet on Optic to win that. And then Optic beat Astralis in the finals. And I go, man, I'm just going to ride the green wall. So I got Optic all three days winning. And I didn't feel great about it against Astralis because I was like, man, this also feels like... like Astralis... Uh, Stephen Chu did an excellent article over on Slingshot basically talking about how Astralis is the team of, again... Like, oh, Astralis choked in the finals again. Like, all these different things. And it just felt like it might be Astralis' tournament. But at the same time, it also felt like it should be Optic's tournament. Because they were just playing really well. They were out of their minds. Mixwell was playing out of his mind. Like, just as a team, they were just... They were playing really well, and Astralis were playing really well. But Astralis were the favorites. So I went with the underdog, and Optic won. And it was... Man, it's... It's awesome to see North American teams be successful, especially when no one really saw it coming. Mm-hmm. And we get this great meme about Thorin being 0-7 on every single one of his predictions. It is wonderful. It's, like, amazing. And he means he he on there, like, with all the memes, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I did wrong, but, like, every single game I missed. It's, and it's really hard to go 0-7. Like, you would accidentally be right you would think more often than that. Yeah. Like, 
it's it's kind of incredible, honestly. The stats, in case you're curious, it's you were if you just flipped a coin, he would have been more likely to get a correct answer, ninety nine point three percent of the time, than what he actually did through educated guesses. It is a point seven percent chance to go zero and seven. So it's just fun. Like it's just, it's amazing. And you know what? Like this is the thing about E League. E League does this now. We could just like the first E League. Had Virtus Pro and Mouse Esports, both of which had to do the last chance bracket yep. in the semifinals, and Virtus Pro won that tournament. That was a that, that was, was a thing VP that happened. Was bad, and now VP is arguably the and now VP is good, <laughs> and they and they lose to Phase Clan in the first in the first out of the playoffs yeah. because yeah. I have no fucking clue what happened there. And then and then Optic is like, nah, fuck this. I'm MNA. We're gonna make people care about See, NA season now. two was just screwy. Like phase shouldn't have been but in the in this playoffs. No, been there. Nothing like, that has ever happened in an E League tournament so far has made any sense. <laughs> which is why I'm so glad that a uh, we're gonna get some E League in Overwatch because Overwatch is starting to, to to think about some E League events. Talks are underway. I think the first season's actually already been announced. Um, but what we haven't heard is what season three of E League is going to look like for CS:GO. Are you? Well, so so this is the thing. So I don't think they they did they did do an Overwatch tournament a couple months ago, and that was great. Yes, and they're in, going to do more. We know that for a fact. Yeah, they're going to do more in January. They have the first major, this first CS:GO major of 2017, mm-hmm. which is really sweet because that means we get Richard and Thorin at a CS:GO major, and Richard and Thorin are awesome banter back and forth on the desk. Um, and then their their CEO or whoever's in charge of everything said, we're going to do a third season of E-League. Um, before they did the second season of E-League, they said, we're going to do a second season of E-League. We're not sure if it's going to be Counter-Strike. And then like a couple weeks later, like, yeah, we decided it's going to be Counter-Strike. So again, they said, we're going to do a third season of E-League, meaning on TV, on TBS every Friday night. Mm-hmm. But we don't know if it's going to be Counter-Strike. And... When you think about it, the the logical step would be okay. Well, it'd be Overwatch if it's not going to be Counter Strike, because those are two very that shooters are very very easy to sell in the West because most of the West players like to play on console. They like Call of Duty, so it's really easy to kind of translate that instead of to a MOBA. They haven't done a MOBA yet. The only MOBA they could actually do that would bring them any viewership would be Dota. Mm-hmm. I don't think Dota's built for TV. No, absolutely not. So it, it would It's gonna it would be Overwatch. Sense it's for be it to either be Overwatch or CSGO. And or... I wouldn't be surprised if they start alternating through. I mean I've been yeah, like, I think they should. I did interviews at E League, just so people are kinda, you know, if they're curious, like, oh, you know, yeah. like I do I do follow Counter Strike from time to time. You I don't have it as Atlanta. important as Yeah, I lived in Atlanta. I literally drove down to Turner Studio. It was like a ten minute drive. I, you know, I got to do several interviews when I was there. I like a lot of those that players. Shaq, it was great. Yeah, well, one day. You know what the sad part is? Shaq was actually in my neighborhood because he's either dating someone or is is close friends with someone who lives in my parents' um, in my parents' little subdivisiony area. Nice. And he was out there, and there was a three year old kid, and Shaq offered the kid a fist bump, and he said, "Not today, Mister." Because he was sad about some toy he'd lost. That's and a- I just realized that kid just lost a chance to give the Shaq a fist bump. Wow. It's like five years, like ten years from now, that will be 
That'll He's be the be story like, of his life. What was wrong with me? Like, how in the world? Like, I just wonder how... In 10 how years, is anybody going to remember who Shaq was? Shaq's still going to be on TV in 10 years. What are you talking about? That's true. Shaq's not going anywhere. That's true. Shaq, TNT's not letting him out of that contract anymore. Shaq too. will get Steel 2 in production in Hollywood before he ever gets away from a camera. I want Kazam 2. <laughs> I say that genuinely. I want Kazam, Kazam 2. Keep on Kazamming. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. I'd, That'd be awesome. Oh, man. Get on it, Shaq. I need more Kazam in my life. It's, uh... <laughs> Like, we've had a lot of sentences this podcast that I didn't think were ever going to be uttered, and I think that's the one that's going to top the list. Uh, we need to move forward uh, to the thing that I, I got to be honest. I, this is no insult to any of the other games we've talked about, um, but this is the thing I've wanted to talk about since the podcast started. Oh man, this is the one that Walter and I have been the most excited about talking. You know, since uh, we planned this podcast, Rocket League Season Two World Championships. Oh, man. It's so good. Oh, my God. I don't even care that I had to be up at 7 a.m. Eastern time <laughs> to watch it. Right? Oh, man. How did I like this is one of those things where it, oh, it makes so much sense in retrospect it's that Rocket genius. League was going to be. How did it not work the first time? Well, I mean, it did work. The uh, season one finals were fun. No, it no, just. No. I mean, how did the game not work the first time? I don't know. I I have no idea. It uh, it really does seem like you know the psionics guys they went within Super, themselves. Supersonic acrobatic rocket powered battle cars. I had to look it up so I remembered it word for word. How that game did not work the first time around, and East didn't invent esports while Riot was still like in PVE phase of League of Legends. Yeah. I will never understand. But man, is Rocket League amazing. It's so fun. And the thing is, it does two things really well. First of all, it is easily the most accessible esport you're going to find. Because all you have to do is show someone the screen and say, it's soccer but with rocket cars. You don't have to explain anything else. It's soccer with rocket cars. Ball, in net, good, points for team, Win the game. That's that's all you have to know. There's no you don't have to learn any items. You don't have to learn any builds or team compositions. You barely need to know history because it's a fairly new game. It, it you just need to be able to understand that rocket cars can do flips and things and knock balls into nets, and it's glorious. And and the second thing that it does so well. Five minute game length. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant decision. You know, it's one of those, it's like the pace is so fast and you know, like it's a best of five and each one's about five games, add in a little bit of talk at the table in between. Like I can sit down and be like, okay, it's going to, I have a half hour of time. I can watch a full best of five in Rocket League. Yeah. Like I can fit that into my schedule and I can plan my day around like, oh, a little bit of Rocket League here and there. And it's just so fun because with five minutes, every, every action matters you know in league of legends you have a bit in the early game where most of the time nothing's happening people are just farming up yeah. and there's a downtime right you know even with overwatch there are you know dips right in between pushes there are these moments where everyone's kind of catching their breath and trying to charge up their ultimates all those things rocket league you're all on all the time because you can go on a run of goals in a second and it's just every game is intense every game bring something to the table. And, you know, I talked about earlier, like, you know, what is a good tournament need? You need two good first round matches 
Orbit Mocket may have been the best round one of any series I've ever seen. Oh my god, that was so clutch. How in the world? I mean, I mean, look, I feel like I'm taking all the talking, but like, how? Oh. How did this first round go this insanely fun? How did They're Patchy go sweet. from being like, like that was the third place team in Europe throughout this season? Patchy was okay. Devo was good. Violet Panda was like, like these guys were a good team, but they weren't going to the finals through the winners bracket. Good, like, what what did you love most? I I gotta ask you because I I could go in about twenty different rants right now of things I, that I'm obsessed with about this tournament. But what? So yeah, when I play Rocket League, <laughs> I don't do any aerials <laughs> i'm very bad at aerials i don't have the hand-eye coordination to do aerials mm -hmm. this game is like 90 percent aerials yeah and some of the snipes that some of these guys had i i think my favorite part of the tournament was the long-range snipes guys like sicky from precision z mm -hmm. and and uh i'm gonna butcher his name the guy from Flipside tactics um Cuxer? Cuxer? Yeah. Cuxer, I think is how you pronounce yeah. it. They had some of these that were from like three quarters length, just sniper shots that yeah. go, they're, you know, they're passing it to each other like, uh, you know, like Peyton Manning throwing to, you know, throwing his wide receiver open. The ball is already in the air going to where it's supposed to be. And right when the ball is supposed to hit the ground, a teammate is underneath it and bounces it off. I, I loved just the amount of action that was going on mm -hmm. that, you know, just from playing the game a couple times, you're like, man, that's hard to pull off. It, it is. Insane. Some of these aerial tricks are really hard to pull off and they're do They make it look easy. And they the do amount it. of times oh, that these guys are, you know, picking the ball out of midair, the amount of times they're trying to spike it into the net, you know, when it comes off of the backboard, just, I, I love watching it because it's it's complex, mm -hmm. but it's straightforward. Yes, and it it does this amazing thing where it it, it does a, a great mix of balancing individual efforts with these team coordination plays, right? And you, you'll get places like some of the saves that we saw in this tournament. You know, you you see guys just barely at the line, like constantly, like, you know, using every last inch of boost they have yep. to try to get a clear at the last second. And these long scale things, you know, you, you get the two teammates jumping for the same ball and someone sneaking it underneath and all of these amazing angles. And it's just, it's every time. It's, it's this consistency. And what I loved about this tournament in particular, you know... If you're a North America fan, you looked at this and you had a hard time because Europe beat North America in all four of the opening round matches. That's not supposed to happen. Yeah. But on the other hand, it was it was this kind of idea that, you know, for a while North America had been playing hero ball a bit, right? You look at, you know, who won season one? Well, Kronovi won season one. I mean, technically he was on a team called I Buy Power Cosmic. That yeah. later became uh, G2 and then sucked. Yeah. But that was who, like, he was the biggest player on the best team. And that team stopped being good as soon as he went back to average player levels. You know, he, yeah. he came back to Earth. That team died. 
you know, and that's what that's what North America has been. They've had some players in Sad Junior and Jacob and Garrett G in Espion and Classics and in you know in Zane Jackie and Insole. Like they have a lot of guys who can make big plays on their own and be these individual yep. guys and you know do these dribbles up the uh, up the court and then just nail it in the back of the net, you know. And and what you kind of end up getting are you know playmaker secondary playmaker slash support and then full-on defense slash support that's kind of how north america builds things and then you get to europe and europe says i dare you just give me a little bit of space just give me some room to make a pass or two i i double dare i triple dare you let me work with my teammates and bouncing up in the air off the backboard back to another player off the backboard back to the third guy who gets it into the <laughs> net because you've already used all of your boosts to stop the first two times we could have done it the number of times i saw flipside or northern gaming on day 1 in particular pull that move off was just overwhelming and to me it's it's one of these things where it gets me so excited about where Rocket League is going, right? This is a new game. This is the yeah. second world championship, and it's basically both of them were this year, right? So yep. we haven't had a f even a full year of these pros taking these lessons and then turning it into becoming, you know, a, you know any sort of powerhouse or really refining some of these tactics. Like, mm -hmm. the game's only going to get sharper from here. And I think that the teams that we saw succeed... And Flipside and Mocket and even Northern Gaming, which, you know, we're going to overlook Northern Gaming because they got, you know, they lost that uh, that winner's uh, fin finals and then they lost the, uh, you know, to Flipside in the yeah. loser's finals. So, you know, that series gets forgotten a little bit. But Northern Gaming was so fucking good on day one. And they battled Mocket to the bitter end on day two. And Flipside, as soon as Flipside turned it on... And I got to be honest, I was, you know, I picked Flipside going into it. If you guys listened last week to our, our League of Legends podcast, I, I make a quick mention of it. I thought Flipside was going to win the tournament. Um, they worried me when they lost to Mocket. They worried me when they dropped that first map to NRG. And then they never worried me again. <laughs> and I just, I love it. I love seeing these teams that could just turn it on to that next level and just operate in sync with each other and those kinds of high flying pass plays you know let the team with the most coordination win that's where rocket league is going and if we're here in year one what does this look like next year walter like how good are these games going to get because i don't know if my heart can take I don't it think the ball's ever gonna touch the ground <laughs> like it's very i mean much play. I, I do like I have to say the Europe versus North America angle was was massive and when I was doing research back on season one it was it was pretty much the same except the energy guys won they yeah. just they just they ended up running but Europe was beating North America every other which way it was just energy was able to make enough plays that they took home the crown and they weren't energy uh, you're, they were you, another name no you're thinking of I buy power cosmic who became G2 and now suck that's who won uh, year one. Uh, yeah, it was I Buy Power Cosmic. That's Cronovi's team. That's what I was just talking about. It was Cronovi, Legino, and Over Zero. Uh, the uh, the team that uh, that has now become um, NRG was Kings of Urban. They did really well in the regular season. Right. And then 
dropped out in the first two series they played. That okay. that was this was when North America was like, wait a second, these Europeans are actually good, but it's okay. We have Kronovi, no one can step to that. And then Kronovi's mm. like, nah, I'm kind of actually a just slightly above average player. And in North America said, fuck. And Europe said, awesome. <laughs> we have the three best teams in the world fair, now. F- fair enough then. But the, the point that I was really trying to go towards was that in those first four games, they were really talking about the strategy of, oh, you don't want to bunch up your guys. Mm-hmm. You don't want to bunch up players. You want to keep them spread out. And in every single one of those opening round matchups, it seemed like the European teams kept forcing NA to bunch up their players around goal. Yeah. Because of the the level of pressure and the different angles that they kept attacking, it just the North American players seemed to freak out and go, we can't cover every single angle with two people here. Okay, crap, let's bring in the third person. Now we should be able to cover everything. And instead, they're bumping into each other. Yeah, they're they weren't giving each other elbow room to, to operate. And I thought that was really the defining difference between North America and Europe. And I really hope North America adapts because Europe definitely played the space possession game way better than North America did. Yeah. They really controlled when they were manipulating the ball around. And it seemed like there was never a wasted touch. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the soccer term. Wasting a touch is basically putting a ball someplace that just doesn't make sense, that you don't have someone there that they can get to it. It's basically just like clearing it. And it felt like Europe only cleared... When they realize, okay, uh, the ball's here, but there's literally nothing that I can do from this position to either move it forward towards scoring or to make a productive pass to then set up a scoring opportunity. So North America would have these moments where they just, like, they try to send a deep ball or a through ball or whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. and there was no one there to get it, and it was on purpose, or it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't, like, on purpose kicking it away. But Europe would have moments where they're like, there is no way I can get out of this situation that'll be good for us. Let me just clear it and we'll reset. And then they'd yeah. clear it and reset. And you'd watch all three of the European players turn around and set back up for defense and counterplay. Yeah. So I, I really hope that, you know, as the year goes on and we see where this is, you know, two year, you know, a year from now, um, that North America sort of adapts and, and mm-hmm. plays more possession style as opposed to this. Um, it seems very... American soccer-esque of its very yeah. attack, attack, attack. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, defend, defend, back. defend. Yeah. Scramble it's, back, defend, it's, defend, it's defend. All defend. In, and that's why when we talk about these long goals that Maestro and Siki and those guys were getting, it's because there was no one back on defense. Because if North American teams went on offense, they sent everybody on the other yeah. half. And so you could just do these long goals because it'd be an open net. And you're like, how is no one back to rotate to that? Well, because they couldn't figure out how to attack just 2v2 because these... Defenders in Europe, the communication's just there. And, you know, it's an easy joke to be like, oh, well, of course it's soccer. Of course Europe would be better. Ha 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 ha. But in all reality, like, everything that Europe did in this tournament, North America could learn how to do. And I think they will learn how to do. I think that communication is a huge thing. And I think that you are going to have to practice, you know, using that spacing to the maximum advantage. Like you said, not wasting any touches. And they're all capable of that. These are all talented teams. I never, there was never a match, even the three O's. I, I, I guess maybe you could say Genesis. Genesis was the one team that really didn't show yeah, up. They here. didn't show up at all. But every other team at this tournament put out good games. They had great moments where you looked at them and said, these are talented guys. These guys could win games off of good teams. 
and they just couldn't do it consistently enough because Europe has a much more consistent winning strategy. And Orbit really disappointed me. It really disappointed me. Games one and two in the series against you know against Mocket were good, but then the rest of the tournament they were just very mediocre, and it was very disappointing to me. I thought Moses underperformed. I was expecting more from him. Absolutely. He was doing better when he was accidentally named Panda than when he was labeled as Moses. <laughs> I saw Which that. I appreciated that. Because it was one of those things where I, I, I kept looking at him like, why are they talking about Panda? He's making all these plays. It's like, oh, yeah. right, Moses. Got it. Okay, yeah. well. You made me laugh. I, it, was, it was wonderful. But yeah, no, I mean, they took a step back. But, I mean, we can all agree Garrett G is still really good. Like, Garrett, G, Garrett is still a re- very, very good North American yep. uh, player. You know, it just, at the end of the day right now, there is a style of play that is best. And unlike, you know, other games, every other esport basically we talk about, and this is maybe, I think, the reason I get more excited about Rocket League than anything, nothing's going to change in this game other than people getting better. Yeah. Like, Rocket League is a... What, what are you going to change? The yeah. width of the goal? Yeah, like, there's, like there are going to the be some big patch notes. The ball bounces around on? Like, come on, dude. This is this is going to be fantastic. And I that, can't wait to see where they go. This is basically like if StarCraft had happened in the West and in a with a recognizable wrapping around it, right? Where everyone's just going to be able to say, like, look, this there's a finite group of variables here. How do I become the absolute best at this thing? And that is incredibly exciting. As someone who is still mourning the death of StarCraft. And I am mourning the death of Star. It's it's not going to ever be the same. I still That's love it. That's why he's it. watching Heroes of the Storm, guys. He has to give Blizzard his time and energy because <laughs> StarCraft is dead. Uh, yeah, I mean... Look, I, we'll we'll see kind of where my our, priorities. Our friend Rapid was casting uh, Brood Wars. He's casting ASL. Yeah, I, Rapid weekend. does that every once in a while. And shout out to Rapid, great, great friend of the pod. We need to get some people back on. I heard uh, Amanda wants to get back on the pod. Sage Gnosis. Um, we need to get some people back on. But before we wrap up this episode, this episode that has been filled with a whole bunch of of fun different uh, games that we don't usually get to talk about, but hopefully will much more often moving forward. Walter, can we spend five minutes on Doctor Strange? I mean, I have a I have a picture ready to put up on the screen, so yeah, I guess I guess we have five minutes to talk about Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, we definitely didn't bring up that this was a possibility if we came in under time for once. We don't we don't plan anything in advance, guys. It's all off the cuff, and I just like I'm I'm scrambling I'm scrambling to get an image here to bring up on the screen that's already there. You can hear me frantically shit posting. <laughs> And for the record, uh, this is going to be uh, spoiler-heavy shit posting. I'm imagining, right? We don't want to go spoiler-free. It's three. It's been out for three weeks. We can talk spoilers. Yeah, let's let's let. Yeah, so I mean, we're telling people spoilers. ahead of time, right? So they know. Yeah. Like yeah. I like the the timestamp I'm giving them that you you now have no excuse if you hear a spoiler at this point. Uh, starting now. Holy shit! That mid credit scene, though. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I I want Doctor Strange. To be kind of this guy that just ends up riding tag along with all of these other Marvel characters, like, oh, there's some shit that's broken in your in your quest to go get Odin back. Awesome, let's do this. I'm all in. You know, just constantly. I, just I don't throwing even want him to actually things. be in movies. I want them to just like pan in like the Avenger cave and like Tony and Captain America are having an argument and like he's just in the back drinking coffee and then it like snaps back to him and he does like an office thing where he's like. 
ignore me. I'm not here. Because that's like Doctor Strange, period. He's just like, I'm here, but I'm not always here. But I'm here. Just in case. I want to see some, like, effect where it's kind of like Inception style, where I'm not sure if that's the mirror universe or not. It's an effect that looks kind of similar, kind of off to the side. Yeah, just a little shimmer to the side. Like, ooh, could Doctor Strange be there? I don't know, but now I'm curious. Like, I just, I feel like they handled the character incredibly well. Benedict Cumberbatch, awesome. Um, Swoon. The way they dealt with uh, Dormammu is maybe one of my favorite scenes. In, oh. in the movies, whatever. I, I, I know you, we've talked about this I off camera, it. but I want I you to make the same point scene. you made to me about that scene. Oh, it could have been 10 minutes <laughs> of him saying, Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Like, 10 minutes, and it wouldn't have detracted from anything. I would have been like, I get the point, but this is awesome. <laughs> like, this is such a great way to do this. Because his, 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 his way to figure it out and solve the problem is so genius of I have just an automatic like resetting time thing. Like I can just rewind time the last 30 seconds. Like it doesn't matter what you do. It's going to keep doing this until I make it stop. So ta-da. It's like it, it was literally like living Groundhog Day. Yeah. Except not a shitty movie. And only wait five minutes. Are you anti Groundhog Day? I'm not a fan of Groundhog Day. Wow, I think it's very mediocre. Wow. Movie. Well, welcome to the last episode of Rough Drafts, guys. I know we just presented all these great ideas, but I've lost two friends today. Now, thank you. Very <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if you lost someone else, I guess I, I'm not going to make you lose <laughs> two friends in one day. That would be probably no. It's because I told someone I didn't like anime. I mean, no, that's. Look, I, I will never, unless you said you didn't like The Princess Bride, you're allowed to like or dislike any movie you want. Oh, I, at yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. I, I as, a, as a young boy, I did not like it. And then I had to sit on a bus and actually watch it, mm-hmm. and then I loved it. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I'm never going to tell anyone not to listen to the podcast, but if you don't like uh, The Princess Bride, consider finding another show. At least, the, at least just watch for 30 seconds so yeah. it counts, and then you can go off and do whatever you want. Yeah, just, just just download it, just leave a comment, but you don't actually have to listen to the whole thing. Just like 30 seconds, treat it like it's an advertisement on Twitch, yeah. um, and then just close it. Just be done with it. That's all we need. 30 <laughs> seconds of your time, that's it. Yeah, just do, do the thing. It's a great film. But this is also a great film. I'm, like, I'm already coming great. up with excuses as to why I need to go see Doctor Strange again. Um, because it just... It, it does. Here are, your, thing, here are your excuses. Um, yeah. You haven't seen Fantastic Beasts. I'm going to find them yet. I already have, actually. Oh well, then you have. Uh, you haven't seen. I, I'm Mold sorry, yet. I saw it. I didn't mean. To, I like. I feel badly that I made that financial decision, but I have seen Fantastic Beasts. You haven't seen Moana yet. I need to see that one. And Star Wars is out in like a week. Yeah, but is are we still going to see Doctor Strange in theaters by that time? Or will it have pulled out from basically everybody? I, I mean, I think it'll still be in theaters in a week. Maybe. It's already it's, getting it's, pretty heavily reduced. I'm like, I'm looking for this weekend. It sounded like three or four showings at the local theater. Oh, then, I mean, yeah, sure. Got, I mean, it, it'll be, it'll work itself out. I it, This is a film, I think, safe to say, if you like Marvel, this is a much watch. Absolutely. I think I, if I you think even just like... Marvel movie. A top three? I think this is top three. Yeah. Wow. So what's I your top three? I think it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Then I think it's this. I think this is right so it's, behind so it's three. Galaxy to me. Uh, First Avengers. Okay. I have I, I have two different lists of I'm talking favorite versus best. I think the best three Marvel films are 
Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, and I, the third best, just objectively. The best? Like, like, like best made, best, best directed, best... Best like, made, best done. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, this, and Ant-Man. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, Guardians... I, I replace, uh, I replace this with, um, with, uh, Winter Soldier. Because I thought Winter Soldier is the best Bourne movie that we've gotten possibly ever. See, in the way that the was done. premise of it... I love I everything about it. With... I love everything about it. There, there wasn't anything in this movie that I disliked. I don't think there was a single moment of Doctor Strange that I, like, actually disliked. That's fair. I... I mean, I I feel that way about almost to... all of the Marvel movies. Like, I, oh. I'm a fanboy. Like, I admit that wholeheartedly. There's I'm, plenty I dislike. I'm all in on the Marvel universe. I I tend to enjoy even the ones that people say are okay. I tend to like, and mm-hmm. the ones that people like, I tend to love, and the things that people love, I tend to obsess over. Oh, and watch we can and all sleep. agree. Both Hulk movies have been a travesty that should only be used in the most heinous cases of torture. I think the one that's currently in the MCU is fine. It's a fine piece. Ugh, no, it's not. Abomination's good. It's a great. It's a great it's villain. Terrible. The special effects are fun. Terrible. It's a great it's fight a scene. Terrible. It's movie. a popcorn movie. It's a terrible. Movie. Sergeant Ross has done well. The post credit scene with that is done well. Terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. I wouldn't even watch that on Netflix. You can keep repeating that all you want. That doesn't change that I'm making points on the other. <laughs> I mean, look. I, and I just think it's an awful movie. It, it is what it is. It's not, Ang Lee's Hulk was a I terrible movie. I can't believe that you didn't like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That movie's garbage. What? That movie is a slice of hot garbage. We need to do a movie cast. This is what I'm learning. We like, need to do a movie cast this year. But <laughs> we've seen a lot of movies this year. We've we like, seen a lot of movies. Like a top ten this year. Yeah. Top we, five. We should top go five. through. Top, top five, five. Bottom five. I don't know if I. I don't actually don't know if I've seen ten movies this year. I'd have to go check. <laughs> well, we'll figure that out. We'll 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 do a planning the podcast podcast episode later. That's a specific podcast in which we plan other podcasts. But until then, uh, uh, this has been Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Redshirt King. Uh, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? I am Walter C80s underscore lull Fedchuk. You guys can find me at C80s underscore lull. Yeah. Are you gonna change? Are you gonna drop the LOL now that uh, we're covering other esports? I've tried. I've tried. Someone has C80s and hasn't. We've talked about this on the podcast. I, I know, but like one. maybe you could come up with another thing, like other than uh, you know, maybe uh, you know, for example, RL instead of LOL. Just go all in on our Rocket League life. Mm, but then, like. I need to do like LOL underscore RL underscore Overwatch. Like OW sure. underscore. Just add it. Just add an obscene yes. level of, of <laughs> underscores and it'll be great. Uh, People that won't get away by that at all. We could do Cousin Wow. I'm still waiting for that. It'll be, it'll be like years. the old uh, old Xbox tags where you just put triple X's in front and behind everything. It'll be great. I love it. Um, and if you love the podcast, uh, you should con- definitely continue listening. Uh, we're, we post these things. YouTube.com. Search for Rough Drafts Podcast. That's where all the videos are are um we do all of these in video hopefully you enjoy our smiling young faces here um doing our thing um, i shaved today too i, I shaved just for this i did too this is podcast day man you got to take this shit seriously we're, we're the real baby faces yeah. of esports Look, we give the people what they want and what they want are apparently shaved faces and middling analysis about four different games and 
a Doctor Strange recap that involved talking about two scenes and then about eight other films. <laughs> which really, I mean, look, if you enjoy that, you're going to love everything. It wasn't as spoiler heavy as we thought it was. It really be. wasn't. Other than the Dormammu thing, which I don't want anyone knowing that before they go into theaters because it's such an amazing scene. It is uh, but SoundCloud.com, Esports Rough Drafts, if you enjoy the uh, the Audible version, if you want to take it on the go. We're on iTunes if you just look Esports Rough Drafts. That's audio. how I listen to the audio-only version because I do listen back to these podcasts so we can keep making the best quality product for you listeners at home. And again, just to reiterate, we're still doing a league episode every week. So you league fans who are like, uh, uh, should I be worried? No, you should not. Yes. We've got part two of the podcast we started last week coming up probably tomorrow by the time you're listening to this. We'll have some more news. Um, we've got more news, more roster changes, you know, so all this stuff going on in the Challenger scene. Plenty of stuff in league to talk about. Always stuff to talk about in league. That's never going to change. But we are going to be talking about more games and we're going to do a good job of labeling which game it is in those particular slots every week so that you know exactly what it is you can look forward to. There will be the stuff we talked about. There will be some other things. I'm sure if some big smite event goes on, Walter will take care of that. I'm sure that at some point I will accidentally turn into Vainglory and talk about my experiences there. I watched it for five minutes and was like, (laughs) I don't know what's going on. That's, that's entirely fair. And you know, when, so definitely stick to this channel, subscribe to these places. When the content that you're looking for is there, uh, you will be able to find it. And hopefully you'll enjoy all of it because you'll always get to, to join in on this lovely metaphorical family that we've built, going back to my metaphor at the beginning of this episode. I, I use the word metaphorical way too many times in this podcast. But let's see if I can hold back next episode when we do all our League of Legends talk. And until then... Goodbye, Internet.